This is it, folks. The moment of truth. The final episode of Book 1 of Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. It's been a long time coming, and I want to thank you all for listening. It's the end of a story arc, folks. You can return this thank you by telling your D&D loving friends about us. We're an actual play, high role play, intrigue, 5e, Dungeons & Dragons podcast with cusses. That includes an occasional F-bomb. We appreciate your support. And we hope you'll join us for book two. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Jalen and Melise Lunari plot to make the world a better place. The orphanage is important to me because I, I was adopted. And the upbringing and the education and the love that I was given obviously had a very lasting impact on my life and the way my life went and I don't know why we couldn't do that on a larger scale for the numerous children who wind up in the streets because their parents were thorn cutters. Sofa learns her father Hanzo Lunari is actually a fairy in disguise. When a fairy creature loves a human very very much they can produce <laughs> A half-fairy offspring known as a changeling. They're called changelings because at some future point they can choose between being human and being a fairy. Jalen tries to get out of the fairy deal that binds her parents to the fairy queen for her benefit and discovers there's a place in the thorns where she can learn more. Actually, I'll tell you what. We have some say in our first mission once our project is complete. And one of the places we could go is the Willow. Jalen looks down and thinks about that for a second, and then she looks up and says, Yes, I would like that very much. After Sable's awful exchange with Gina Lunari, she leaves a sad note behind, declaring herself an outcast and hiding away in a far-flung corner of House Lunari. So much has opened up for you both. New lives, new alliances, and powers and possibilities. When thrust into adulthood, suddenly you have both clearly thrived. And for that reason, for your commonalities and the powers of your families that you represent, fully understand why you have thrown yourself into the game this kingdom plays. Sadly, I cannot join you there. And our heroes prepare to enchant a golem. Our heroes stand at the precipice of victory. In the ten foot by ten foot storage shed, a massive circle and hexagram is bricked out on the floor of the shed. At each of the five points lies a portion of the items of power our heroes have accumulated for the enchanting. In the center, the assembled golem looks more like a roughly assembled epigee of a nine-foot-tall man with four arms, two end in open nozzles, and two in hands that clutch a massive steel scythe. Across this construct's body is written the Muriel Frikers. In one corner of the warehouse stands Miev, prepared to surge arcane power of wizardry into the circle, and on the other stands Carolina, prepared to surge the divine magic of the druids. But Skrix has warned them, the spirit world is closing in, and has opinions on the outcome of this project. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra, and I play Sable the Druid. I'm Julie. I play Selfa the Wizard. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. So Carolina's head pokes out of the barn and says, oh, you're here. Come on, come on okay, in, so guys. So we'll start going towards the barn, but Jalen will lean close to Sable and say, 
Korra is in Master Wu's circle. Well, that explains a lot. Did she say who else was? Thalia, the apothecary. Okay. So be careful. I'll add that to the list of, you know, 307 or 8 people that want me dead. Well, we don't know that Cora wants you dead. We just don't know what she wants. Mm. I seriously doubt my favorite cousin wants her dead. I can't really... Well, I can't even picture Cora hurting a bee, I'm just okay? exercising the caution here. I know you like her. We don't know who she's working for. And I think that's wise. I just... I introduced Cora and Sable because... I thought they would get on well together. Cora is very introspective and thoughtful and talks about the land in a really, in a way that I think Sable would appreciate. It reminds me of Sable sometimes when I hear Cora talking about the land. Jalen will just look at Silpha and say it's worth her having that information. Yes, I think so too. From Silpha's feet, you hear Skrix pronounce, wow, there's like there's like five spirits of power here. This is going to be really fun. Uh, sounds like we should maybe get into the barn. And she will swing open the door and step inside. On the floor of the barn, in the dirt floor, has been carved a five-pointed pentagram. On each one of the points is one of the hearts that you had secured. So there's a an iron coin lying on one corner. Across from it, there is a heart of life, which is the troll's heart. Across from that, there's a heart of fire, which is the dragon's heart that looks still warm. Across from that is a chunk of the heart of ice. The larger heart of ice is kind of off to the side, and it looks like they spent most of the night shaving the actual core of the heart out, and it is now sitting on one corner. And across from that is the heart of stone, which is the heart you got from Dreadrocks. In the middle, someone has put out these sort of metal and stone pieces. Basically, a metal skeleton has been created, and stone blocks have essentially been placed around them, forming a kind of armor that almost makes it look like a body. It doesn't have, like, articulated joints, or there are no gears, but it looks like roughly the shape of a person, but you can't imagine it moving in any way. And then the chest of it is actually stone blocks that have big spaces left in them. And Miev is sort of putting these pieces of stone together to form a chest cavity. And inside each one of them, she's put a little flake of each one of the other items. So you can see a little flake of ice, a little flake of sort of burning charcoal, a little flake of steel, etc. And she's snapping this thing together. And the head of it has been shaped into like, it's like a piece of stone, but it's been carved to have sort of a face in it. And Miev says, okay, who's going to be the bearer of the necklace, Silpha? Yes, I'll continue wearing it. So the way this is supposed to work, if I understand these notes, is the power will infuse with the golem. The heart of life will give it the ability to regenerate and give it a consciousness. The heart of steel will allow the joints to form and the skeleton of this creature to move. The heart of stone will allow the sort of plating of of rock to hold its shape and to reform if it's damaged. The heart of fire and the heart of ice will each form a source of power to allow it to freeze and then burn. And then she sets down on top of this thing a massive scythe. It's been given a steel shaft and a long steel blade. And it looks like it could reap the shit out of some wheat. 
<laughs> this golem that's put together is much larger than a person. And she says, and that leaves the will. The will of this entity will be the person who wears the necklace. All right. So, are we ready? I'm ready. Sure. Yep. And Carolina goes to, to one corner, and she starts to channel earth magic, clear, straight-up druid power, into the edge of this circle. And Miev sits down and starts channeling arcane magic, straight-up wizard power, into the edge of this kind of circle that wraps around this pentagram. And then stuff starts to happen. Oh, boy. Little points of light spark up in the air, <laughs> and you can hear Skrix very excitedly say, They're here! Oh, man! Oh, they're coming through! They're coming through! And then the five separate sparks of light appear. And they each sort of take a spot near one of the edges of the pentagram. And then one of them starts to grow and becomes very rock-like as it solidifies. And then becomes a massive collection of rocks, almost like a pile of boulders given roughly humanoid shape. At the same time, across from it, that light sort of expands and becomes a rush of water that sort of holds its shape floating in the air and expands at about the same rate. And you have what you would recognize as an earth elemental and a water elemental in the room. And you hear from the earth elemental, this thing is mine. And then the water elemental says, it is neither of us. It is hers. And it points its watery appendage at Silpha. Jalen will glance at Miev. Miev says, this isn't supposed to be happening. These, these, aren't, these aren't part of the ritual. Jalen will draw her rapier and a crossbow. And the water creature says, it's only a human. Human! Give me the necklace. The watery creature's hand sort of forms a hand and extends out towards you. And the uh, earth creature says, you will not give it to her. You will give it to me. And it extends a hand towards you. Oh, boy. What do you do? I will speak to the spirits and say, spirits of the elements, together your power is even stronger. Put your power into this vessel. I will not share, for I am conquest. And a third light rapidly expands and becomes a whirling dervish of air. And in another spiritual voice, it says, neither of you shall have it. I will have it. Well, shillelagh and guidance is what I'm casting. I'm thinking, uh, Skrix, this seems bad. What's your read on the room? Skrix says, oh, this is going to be great. Make them fight each other. These are uh, pirates, basically. Yep. A fourth one takes shape and starts to spin out. And this one bursts into flame and becomes a fire elemental. And it chimes in and says, this is unacceptable. We will battle. The winner will take the golem. All right. Well, I'm glad I prepared for fights. Miev? I don't know. Stand, stand back. Stand way back. Like, surely Silva has read something about rituals involving spirits. Arcana would be the best skill set for this issue. Plus seven for Arcana, so it's a 19. Okay, so elementals are usually entities that come from a a different plane of existence. And so they're like a person, but from a place where literally everything is made of fire or literally everything is made of rocks. These are not true elementals. They are creatures of this world, spirits, 
that essentially are powerful entities that represent concepts or objects. They have chosen to take these forms as the personification of what they are. Skrix has told you they're spirits of power. You know that spirits are attracted to concepts or objects that represent the same concepts. These spirits seem to be trying to claim ownership over the power you are creating. There is still a fifth light floating in the air. So a spirit of conquest appeared, a spirit of... What were the others? They're different spirits of power. One of them has declared itself a spirit of conquest. The others have not given themselves a name. Basically, you suggested they play nice, and one of them said, no. Fuck that bitch. Possibly that. more like, I cannot. <laughs> mm-hmm. can, I, can I do something really Captain Planet-y and like, focus my consciousness on like a power that I want to drive this golem? Sure. I don't know. I want like a, the spirit of hope. Okay. Roll me Arcana. Okay. Two elf, please. Ooh. 25. 25. Okay. You start to channel energy into this idea of hope. And all four of these creatures turn to you and say, almost simultaneously, this will not do. And I'm going to need you to roll initiative as the fifth thing starts to light up much more brightly and start coming toward you, Silpha, at a rapid speed. Everyone roll me initiative, please. I rolled a natural 20. Appropriate. I rolled a 1. 17. So Miev and Carolina, for their part, they are not going to get to take actions. <sighs> Riley gets to go before Silva. So as they say this will not do, the air elemental starts spinning rapidly, forming a horrific whirlwind in the room. It is going to shift towards Silva. And that is going to require Silpha to make me a dexterity saving throw. With guidance. Oh, thank you for the reminder. Jalen, you need to make me a dexterity saving throw. And Sable, dexterity saving throw. Oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be strength saving throw. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, let me do dex. Let me do dex. Nope, it's strength. <laughs> uh, four. A whirlwind is essentially pulling you in. Thirteen for me. Because my strength is minus one, I rolled an 11 on the dice, so it's... 10 plus the 3 from Guidance, so it's 13. This elemental swirls into a whirlwind, pulling everything into it. Jalen, you weren't ready for this. Your feet leave the ground, you're sucked into essentially a tornado, spit out the top of it, and hurled it into a far wall. You take 14 damage. Owie. Sandra, it is your turn. Uh, My turn. All right, I'm like, oh no, you don't. And I am going to cast Wind Wall. So, taking out a small fan and a feather from pockets that I have on my armor, I am going to cast a spell, conjure up the wind, and form a circle around where all the elementals are. So, I can make it up to a foot thick, so I'll go ahead and make it a foot thick, heading inward. Uh, So, an oval would be best. Capture them all without getting Carolina and Mia, who are sitting at the edge of the circle. That's what I'm going to do, then. I just want to catch them all up in it. A wall of furious wind cuts them away from at least Silpha and Sable. Yep. And if any of them actually end up being within the area, let me know. Because that's that's when they start taking damage. The air elemental is big enough at this juncture because it's doing whirlwind that it can't not be in it. Okay. It needs to make a strength saving throw then. All right. 
Uh, it rolls a natural one, so it's going to get a three <laughs> and fail. Ten. Ten points of damage. Okay, so the earth elemental is going to make the save. The fire elemental is going to make the save. The water elemental is going to fail. Jay, what you got? All right, she's going to pull a ra- her rapier and a knife and slash at whatever's nearest to her. Stab through the wind wall. You are not small or smaller, so you can essentially pass through this thing. Yeah, just don't go to the other side of it. All right, that is a 23 and a 20 for the knife. Okay, you step in, and the elemental that is happens to be closest at that juncture is the water elemental. Okay. Uh, its AC is 14. Do I have allies close enough to it? It is such a mess. It's not that you have allies, it's that you have allies of convenience as the elementals yep. are actively enemies of each other. So you you can do your sneak attack. Oh, I have uncanny dodge now. Could I have had that damage? Yes. Okay, so that can. goes down to seven. Excellent. All right. So with the rapier, she does... Oh, that sucks. 13. And the knife does five. Okay. The earth elemental has taken five. It, for its part, is like, oh, no, you don't. And it's going to unload on the air elemental. So it rolls a nat one and fails, but then it rolls a 19 and hits. And so to the air elemental, it is going to inflict a mighty 19 damage. The fire elemental takes a dive at the necklace. So uh, it is actually not attacking you, Silva. It is trying to pull the necklace off of your head. It is made of fire, so that's going to suck. But give me athletics or acrobatics, and you have advantage because this thing is literally around your neck. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to use acrobatics because that would be a dex-based skill, which is better than Silva's strength. Ooh, good. So I got a 17. It touches you in the process of trying to get this off of you, but it can't get the necklace off of you. So you take one damage, because I rolled a one on my d10. Yay. (laughs) Yay. The water elemental has been hit pretty bad, and it's pretty pissed about this. It grabs the earth elemental and tries to essentially body slam it in the middle of this. Turns it into a mud elemental. Yeah, she's trying for mud elemental. It's going to miss once and hit once and slam it for 13 damage. So the Earth Elemental is now taken 18. And that's going to bring us to Silpha. Squix, do you know what I can do to animate the golem? What do I need to do? thing we have is animating the golem. You just don't give him the necklace. I do have a trick up my sleeve. You hear Silpha cast a spell and... Her body becomes a vapor. Whoa. The necklace goes with it. You are now a vapor. Riley attacks. Through the wind wall. He misses once. He connects once. And he misses a third time. So his main hit is the only one that will connect. And he connects for a few damage. It happens to be to the fire elemental. At the end of the turn, that fifth sort of light flies through Silpha. And in your cloud form, Silpha, uh, something tries to wrestle control. Give me a will saving throw. 17. Something 
makes contact with you, and you can hear it in your mind say, now just give it to me, child. It'll be okay. And it sounds very motherly, and you basically push it out of your mind. Yucky. You were concentrating on a spirit of hope. I don't know if that's the spirit that answered, though. <laughs> a additional light starts to take form in the in the room. A sixth light. And we're back to the top of the initiative order. The air elemental can't go through the whirlwind, but Jalen is stabbing her arms through it. So it's going to try to pull you in, essentially, Jalen. Okay. Roll me, actually, uh, athletics or acrobatics? Acrobatics. Oh, dang. Nine. Her saves are not going her way right now. The DC was, was 14. I rolled a two, so... <laughs> You're pushing your arms through the whirlwind, stabbing into it. The air elemental grabs your arm, yanks you through the wall, and throws you across the room. Add another wall. Uh, so you're just going to take one, which is 14 Can damage. I do the uncanny dodge again? Yep. Okay, that's at seven. So that's f she has taken f 14 total. Okay. Ugh! Not again. I have a shillelagh. I could hit it. I'm just going to hit it, which I do not. I rolled a five plus whatever that would be is probably not going to hit. Yeah, I believe it has natural armor, so. Yeah. But I am definitely... All right. Like, I am swinging at this thing to try to keep it away from Sylpha while I'm keeping that, that wind wall okay. up. Okay. I'm hoping it'll at least keep them focused on fighting each other. Cool. Uh, next up in our initiative order is Jay. Jalen is uh, going to stand, you know, recover from that again and get even more mad. And she's going to do the rapier and knife attack through the wind wall again. Hey. The rapier, she did 19. With the knife, she did... 12, which probably doesn't hit. 12 will miss. Okay. Uh, so the rapier damage is 22. All right. And I'm going to give you a random elemental. You happen to connect with the fire elemental. That's going to be ugly when it comes after me. The bad news is actually you you stabbed some fire and it, it's hot. Uh -huh. That's three damage. The earth elemental is is so not enjoying this damn air elemental in his space. He swings repeatedly and miss and one hit. Hits the air elemental for 14 damage and the water elemental decides to gang up on the air elemental for 26 damage. Damn. The fire elemental gets to the gaseous form of Silpha and then uh, sees the other light that's there. You hear it say, oh shit, she's here. And then it shrinks down to a point of light and flies away. Oh, no. Silva. Is the fairy queen associated with no. hope? No. <laughs> but she might be intercepting her calls. I can't do anything except maintain concentration on the gaseous form spell. Because I can't cast any spells. I can't speak. Well, I can communicate with Skrix telepathically. Skrix, am I doing a good job? They're definitely not going to find you, except for that except for that one. Oh, that's an interesting one. That's probably his six seconds. And Riley stabs into the cloud. Stabby, stabby, stabby. One connect, one miss, one crit. Yay, Riley. Yay. Oh, Riley does. 
a substantial amount of damage, and in the pile of elementals, he manages to hook the earth elemental. The light that is inside your mist form says, Now, child, don't be like this. I'm here to help you. Let me just get rid of these other ones for you. And she zips back into the center and says, That'll be enough, children. Move along. Meanwhile, the sixth light that enters turns into a goddamn unicorn. A goddamn (laughs) unicorn. (laughs) And the spirit of hope has arrived. (laughs) And the 16-year-olds and all of us are like, I knew they were real. (laughs) I'm a fully realized creation. Uh, The air elemental rolls a save versus fear and botches it. And it's going. The elemental looks at, despite the fact that it has no face, to that last globe of light that told it to leave. And it spins itself down into its tiny glowing light form and runs. Sandra, there is currently an earth elemental, a water elemental. And a glowing light that scared everybody. And a unicorn. Help the pony. (laughs) I'm going to stay close to the gaseous form that formerly known as Silpha. And I'll drop the wall, and I'm going to hold an action to attack anything that comes at Silpha, Jalen, or me, which is Flame Blade. Okay, you have a Flame Blade. And I am standing defensively to, you know, wait and attack anything that happens to come this direction. The unicorn says, stop this nonsense. And casts calm emotions over the room. If you would like to do any more attacking, you need to roll a will save. Mm, I don't intend to attack, but I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna try it anyway. Jalen gets a six, so she calms the fuck down. The unicorn's here. It's all okay. The elementals roll a one and a two, respectively, and calm the fuck down. I rolled an eleven, so probably still not good enough. You are calmed right. down. Riley makes his saving throw. So he can keep attacking. Uh, We'll see if he bothers to keep attacking. But basically, everything stops fighting. And the unicorn says, Use your words. The earth elemental says, Oh, I didn't realize you were here. Pardon me, ladies. And it shrinks to a little light and flies away. The water elemental says, I really wanted this. And the floating light says, just kind of bobbing up and down, well, sometimes we don't get what we want. And the water elemental kind of stomps feet like appendages and says, it's not fair. And the little floating light says, well, no one ever told you life was fair. And the water elemental then shrinks to its little light and flies away, leaving a unicorn and a little light in the middle of the room. Can we know what you are? Who you are? Jalen turns to Lady Miev with the biggest what-the-fuck look on her face. I'm talking to the light and the unicorn. The unicorn says, I'm Hope. And the light says, I am motherhood. Oh. Now I'll look to Miev and say, so what now? Silpha will re-solidify into herself and reach out towards the unicorn. The unicorn absolutely comes up and nuzzles you. Aww. If no one stops me, I'm about to, like, put a necklace around a unicorn's neck. (laughs) 
I'm paying attention to Miev. Miev is just absolutely focused on her circle. None of this is required. Get rid of them. Skrix, this is the one I called. And Skrix says, well, he's definitely not the most powerful one. I mean, motherhood would whoop him. You choose, though. She will choose hope. Even though it seems like it's not the most powerful. You put the amulet over the unicorn's horn. (laughs) And it stamps its foot and nuzzles you a little bit. And the floating light says... Well, sometimes you can't make your children's decisions for them. And it flies out of the barn. At that, (laughs) the unicorn sort of condenses into its little white light and goes into the necklace. The golem, for its part, stands up. The necklace clatters to the floor. I take three or four steps back when the golem stands up. Yeah, I think Jalen does too, and she's still got her weapons out. So the golem has changed. The magic of the stone magic seems to have pulled the shape of the stones into something that looks much more like a body. The magic of the iron heart from the anise hag seems to have given it movement much like a normal human. The, The creature has four arms. Two of them look like tiny cannons. The main two arms are holding a massive scythe, and it turns its face towards the necklace on the ground and says, well, since we're going to be working together, you might want to wear the symbol of your office. Silva will pick up the necklace and put it back on. Well, what a good job you did. I knew you'd succeed. What do you say we go get free of these thorns? This is Mandy hijacking the mid-roll again to bring you your animal facts for dedicating this episode to the narwhal. Narwhals, or monodon monoceros, taken from the Greek one-tooth, one-horn, are toothed whales that along with beluga whales make up the monodontidae family. They are distinct from other whales in that they have no dorsal fin, but they do have jointed rather than fused vertebrae, as well as pronounced melons, or round sensory organs, and short snouts. Like other toothed whales, they communicate via a series of clicks, whistles, and knocks. Narwhals are medium-sized whales, reaching 13 to 18 feet in length and weighing 1,700 to 3,500 pounds. They primarily live in the Arctic, inhabiting bays in the winter but venturing out into the open sea for the summer. They typically live about 50 years, but can live as long as 120 years. A frequent cause of death among narwhals is suffocation when they become trapped under sea ice. Other causes are predation from polar bears, orcas, walruses, and humans. Canada and Greenland commercially sell the skin, meat, tusks, and vertebrae. The Inuit people also harvest the meat for subsistence and have a special regulatory dispensation to hunt the narwhal via traditional methods. Narwhals are most well known for the long, singular tusk protruding from their snout. It is primarily a male feature, though about 15% of females have a smaller and less spiraled version of it. One in 500 narwhals will grow two tusks. The tusk is actually the elongation of the left canine, and in males follows a left-handed helix spiral and weighs about 22 pounds. Its growth is lifelong, reaching 5 to 10 feet in older males. Theories vary on the function of the tusk, and they're not mutually exclusive. Is it a weapon, a tool for puncturing sea ice to breathe, is it for feeding, an acoustic organ, or a secondary sex character as seen in males of other species, antlers on stags or manes on lions? This last theory is most prominent, since if the tusk was strictly a survival mechanism, more of the females would also have them. 
Males have been documented rubbing their tusks together, which was initially interpreted as combative aggression. However, because of the millions of nerve endings present in the tusk, it is also speculated that the males are actually using their tusks to communicate in some way. The narwhal also has a presence in folklore and legend. The Inuit story is that a woman threw a harpoon into a whale and was dragged into the sea, where she transformed into a narwhal and her hair twisted to form the tusk. In medieval Europe, the tusks were believed to be magical and have the ability to neutralize poison and cure melancholy. Vikings were able to sell narwhal tusks at an exorbitant rate, as they wisely took advantage of European superstitions surrounding these unicorns of the sea. The small garage shed that you had been working to do the final enchanting of this golem has been basically obliterated by wind and fire for the most part. Have we collected a bunch of gawkers? You know, shockingly fewer than you'd expect. Although when the roof blew off, that definitely brought some people over. There are about three or four orchard workers kind of staring and standing up now in the ruins of the shed is a golem. It's probably eight and a half, nine feet tall. It has shoulders about double wide for a human. Its arms are kind of lanky, and it has sort of four pairs of arms. So the top is two human-like arms holding a massive scythe, and the bottom two arms are sort of hollow tubes, one of which glows hot, and one of which sort of has water vapor misting off of it in a frosty kind of way. And across the chest of this is written Muriel Frikers. Wow. Okay, so we just finished getting our asses handed to us a little bit, right? You specifically. Yeah. (laughs) I got thrown into two different walls and I'm down 17 hit points for it. When the last elemental leaves and the golem has just spoken to us and she's going to turn to Miev and say what the hell Miev turns to Skrix who is now stepping in from outside and says Skrix what just happened here and Skrix in a very cat-like way doesn't he can't quite smile he doesn't have the right face features for that he looks real smug though Cats can totally look smug. He's solidly smug. Says, well, you pulled together all of the interesting and most powerful objects in the immediate area, and all the spirits of power came to claim them. This is not my fault. And Miev says, what, were you going to warn someone? And he was like, and Skrix says, well, I feel like I said everything that needed to be said. If you can't put two and two together, that's not my fault. And Miev says, Skrix, what, what? What happened? Well, conquest, ambition, destiny, and victory showed up in order to attempt to claim your great pooling of power, and then motherhood cowed the shit out of them, and they ran away. However, you chose hope over motherhood, which, I have to say, is not the most powerful decision you could have made. Seems like the most benign. It was what I felt we needed most. And Strix says, well, I'll trust your judgment, but benign is not necessarily good. And Miev says... Skrix, I think you've helped enough today. And Skrix says, Well, very well. The next time you want spirit knowledge, try asking the spirit of knowledge. And Miev kind of frustratedly looks back at the golem and says, 
So, what what do we call it? I was going with the uh, SS Muriel Frikers. I'm okay with that. And the creature says, Hmm, Muriel, do you feel that using the name Muriel is a hopeful, a hopeful action? I think you do. Yes. Mm. Very well. I shall be known as Muriel. Jalen kind of rocks back on her feet a few times and says, So, what now? Yev says, Well, I thought this was going to be uh, an uninteresting thing, and we would just sort of make sure it moves and then retire to the study to put our plan in motion. I guess it moves. Okay. I like the idea of having an actual plan, lady. So Muriel says, I, I do more than move. This works perfectly. And she points her, her two little hollow tubes up in the air and fires basically a jet stream of fire and ice, causing a massive cloud of condensation to spill out over the yeah, manor maybe, house. Yeah, maybe don't just do that everywhere. I mean, should we do a field test and have her do that at the thorns? One just to thing make I sure should it tell will you, actually clear the, the way? electricity from the lightning uh, seemed to enervate the thorns when it hit. Really? Uh, they grew very rapidly and energetically really? when it hit. So, so th we don't have any lightning on this thing, do we? The creature looks at itself and says, I don't believe so. You know, I really see why all the spirits wanted this. It's it's a very nice body you've crafted here. So the necklace that Silpha is wearing controls her? My understanding is that the person who wears the necklace controls the actions of Muriel. So you should keep that pretty hidden, and we should keep it on the down low that that's how she works, first thing. I agree. I will simply continue wearing the necklace, or I can pass it off to each of you when we enter the thorns. I'm okay with you being in control of her. You know what? Come over to the thorn line. Let's try something. Okay. And Miev turns and starts striding, and Hope does not move. Lady Miev, you either must wear this, or I must take Hope away. Hope says, actually, I can choose to do whatever I want, but... Most of the body seems to be controlled by this one. The hand point reaches up and points at you, Silpha. Muriel, let's take you somewhere safe. Absolutely. And I will follow the Lady Miev. Okay, it follows you. You walk to the thorn line, and she says, All right, let's, let's see what I can do. So, I mean, I've seen thorn cutters in action before, and usually they cut the thorns and burn them. So, given that it has an ice cannon, I suppose we'll try... Freezing the thorns to make them brittle, cutting them, and then burning them. I like how you think. And the entity turns and just slowly levels 15 feet of thorns at once by freezing them and then sweeping a massive scythe with its really big arm span over that same 15 feet and then well. burning to ash what is left in the spot. Fuck me. So... The thorns that are around this area, do they do anything? So, you've been around your thorn, the thorns a little bit your whole life, and you know that they sort of veer towards people. Like they, It's like they lean in, almost. They don't respond to this entity. There's nothing... Apparently it does not find Is it mostly metal? metal golem interesting. It's metal and stone. It's like a metal skeleton and stone armor plates. 
and they have shifted now that it is enchanted to be more real looking more like a more supple like a real body well jalen will kind of look at this 15 foot swath of destruction it just performed and look at me and say well i think we need to be aware how conspicuous this is going to be Miev says, yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be noisy. Hmm. All right, I have some ideas for this. All right. Silpha, can you make a circle? Let's make a circle, Muriel. And she will direct its movement in a circle. So Muriel will basically burn a circle out of the thorns, giving you a, a kind of glade almost of smoking ash. It's amazing. And then proceed to kind of stomp down the little bits of runner bushes that still stick up, and then stand in the middle of it. And Miev says, okay, how about we plan here? And she steps into the space and starts to pull out some chalk. She'll kind of crumble it in her hands and then sort of draw about a ten-foot-wide circle around the golem and fill in the space and then cast a spell and say, okay, I think it's safe here. Nothing can well, nothing otherworldly is going to be able to touch it. How about Great. we head inside and make a plan? Do you want to instruct Muriel to keep the circle here open when the thorns start growing back? Silpha? Silpha nods. So, inside the study, it's just you three and Lady Miev. She unrolls a map and sets it down on a small table and sort of weighs the corners down with some books. This is a map that's about 100 years old. The oldest existing map we have of the time before. But it is the one that I think will most represent what, what is likely to be inside the thorns. It swallowed this world, this map. And she points to a few items, and it, it is a very local map. It only covers about three days horse ride, which no one has ever been able to do since the thorns went up in all directions. There's a, it's not a mountain, but it's a very, very big hill kind of towards the north. There's a, a river that flows through the kingdom. There's a lake to the south of you that no one has seen since the thorns went up. And she points to a few other objects. So the castle is here. There's a graveyard cemetery here, and she points to it. It's also kind of to the north between here and the castle. And she says, according to our calculations... This spot is probably where Glindy in this tree of interest is. And she pencils it in because it was not on the map. But it is just to the south of a, a big quarry that is on the map. When you say our calculations, who do you mean? Well, so that journal you provided me had some coordinates in it for this location. And we sent Riley there once under the protection of a fairy agreement. And it didn't, he didn't, he wasn't safe. But this is where we think it is. Anyway, I think a trial run would be to get to this this tree. It's the closest thing to the edge of the thorn line. I don't know how long it'll take the machine to cut its way there, but I think this should be our first foray. Miev? Hmm? What's your end game? What do you want out of all this? There are three things I want out of all this. One, we get to the castle and we figure out what caused the thorns to go up. It then gives us a chance to figure out what caused the thorns to go down. The second option is I'd like to figure out what the Fairy Queen's game is. She was here for thousands of years before the Kingdom of Fenrir. There's evidence that she had contact with humans 
long before there was a government in place in this position. None of this crap happened. So what is her game now? We need to get an answer to that. And then the third reason is we just get the hell out of here. But the thorns will grow in faster than we can cut, even with the golem. So if we're going to get everybody out, we have to do the first two things. And she kind of points to the different objects. I think the thorns are where they are for a reason. I think they're preventing us from learning things that would let us solve this problem. And these are the places, and she points to several of them on the map, where that information could be hidden. How far is the tree? She says, well, it's only about two miles in. The map would lead me to believe the ground is relatively flat between here and there. And we have a description. It's a big old willow tree uh, around a small pond. Are we waiting for Carolina and Riley to return? No. No, I don't think so. And that's actually what we should discuss next. With you? Yes. You're Who's not coming? going with you? Well, I would like to go with you, but there is one reason why I probably shouldn't. Lord Mentor has expressly forbid me entering the Thorns, as well as me hiring a group of people to enter the Thorns, and has specifically kept me from acquiring any information about the location of the castle. So, if I'm here, it will look like I'm obeying. Mm -hmm. Jalen's look goes a little stony. Yeah, there's like a, there's just kind of a, a disconnect. Sable gets disconnected. So you're not allowed to come with us, and you're not allowed to pay us to go for you. Well, I intend to pay you and break the rules. That much is for certain. I'm just trying to make it look like I'm not. Jalen will look at Silpha and Sable and say, there are advantages to having a smaller party. I would feel really great if we had a Riley or a Jessica with us. Agreed. We might look at expanding who comes with us, so long as they are people we can trust to keep confidences. So how about we three talk about it then? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it. And she says, well, I'll leave you with the map then. And she heads out of the study, leaving you three alone. We have to make a plan here about what we're going to do going into the thorns. I would still like to go talk to this Glindy and her tree first. There are things I personally want to ask it, and I think there are things we could ask it at large. And I want to ask Glindy questions. Yeah, I think we could ask Glindy a lot of questions, and unless I'm mistaken, she is also an enemy, so... The enemy of an enemy is my, my friend. friend. Yes. Now, Silpha, if you can fly, or one of us can fly with your help, we could possibly see the tree from here, and then we'll know exactly which way to go. You could scout it out. We could scout out any of these locations, I think. That is an excellent point. I think I should like to try casting out on you, Jalen, because, well, you blend, so the likelihood of being seen would be lessened. Alright, I'm willing to do that. Have you tried this on yourself? first at all? Yes, it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Alright. I'm down. Let's do it. I keep trying to change into winged things, but it doesn't work. Well, maybe that's something you'll learn how to do. I mean, maybe you're just not there yet. I hope so. I mean, but in the meantime, a flying druid would be very noticeable. Conspicuous, yeah. 
All right. Well, I'm down. Let's do it. You want to do it now? Let's do it now. <laughs> She's bouncing now. Because <laughs> she just told her she can fly. Okay. So we spend our time drawing up a plan and then decide to go out and... Well, we, we refer to the map. We know which direction the tree should be. Yeah, but we really want to find it and then like mark it on the map before we fully plan our path. Right. Okay. Jalen, roll me stealth. You only get a regular stealth roll, not Aww. advantaged. But she's going to be naked and blendy. She is going to be naked and blendy. We're going to go outside to a location that We'll is... go to the meditation spot, which is a euphemism for... <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a regular? Yep. Even though she's naked? Okay. So Sylpha would take her outside behind a tall barn where there aren't any workers present at the moment. Cast the fly spell on... Jalen and tell her to take flight. Mechanically speaking, does Jalen just know what to do? I mean, can she just control this? Basically, you gain wings. You've like always had them. You know how to use them. Wow. <laughs> She's like flapping them, probably kicking them. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a reptilian looking set of wings. Yep, yep. She's bat wings. And they interfere a little bit with your blendy mojo, but you can you can still blend. So, all right. I got a 19. All right. You make it into the air. You have never seen the world from the site. <laughs> so I'm disoriented. Yeah, it's it's very disorienting. You go up, you go up, you go up. A couple things that you did not know were true, but you now find out it's colder as you go up. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is damp as you go up. So it's not actually the freeing experience you are fully expecting. It's a little uncomfortable, but... It is certainly cool and different. Nothing seems to notice you as you drift over slightly the kind of edge of the thorn wall and gaze out. You do see, after traveling not too far, a distant willow tree sticking out of the thorns and the forest much larger and much wider than any of the other trees. Okay. You could get there if you just kept going. She's going to think about that for a second. Looking at it. It'd be, you'd be two miles away when you, you get stuck there. <laughs> yeah, that's the, I think she's gonna, because Sylpha probably would have told her this lasts f for, what, an hour? No, it actually only lasts ten minutes at a time. You don't want to fall into the thorns. You can fly super fast and high, and she, and she also would have told you, if you feel yourself falling, don't worry, I've got you. Because <laughs> she has a spell for that, too. <laughs> There's an app for that. <laughs> Are you falling? Um, There's an app for that. Okay, so no, armed with the knowledge that this only lasts 10 minutes, she is not going to fly to this tree, but she is going to kind of point reference where they are in the due direction of that tree. And then, can she see any like obstructions between here and there? Like, do they need to go around certain things? I mean, like, she's going to try to take note of that. The thorns make it really difficult. Give me a survival roll. Uh, I'm not very good at that. All right. Four. Four. The answer is no. No. It everything's looks fine. Perfectly flat. <laughs> All right. So she'll come. No, she's going to fly around for her 10 minutes <laughs> and soar and enjoy the sort of new challenge of blending with the sky. Yay. And then she's going to come back down. Probably her face is like flushed and she is just beaming Kitty. from ear to ear and just giggling on this tide of adrenaline. For <laughs> once, all three of us are smiling. <laughs> yeah. And Selfa's like, it's amazing, right? 
I've never felt anything like it. Oh my god. I want to go prick myself on the thorns and see if I can just get wings. <laughs> no, not really. Okay, so... <laughs> it's that way, and she points straight the way she saw it. It's about two miles, and if we point Muriel in that direction and she just starts cutting, I think we can get there maybe in a few hours. I don't know if we have time to do it today, but maybe that's what we should do first thing in the morning. Yeah, I think let's let's rest and make sure that we have all of our faculties about us. I do at least want a chance for Carolina and Riley to come back. Yep, and we also sent word to Leslie. If she turns up, it would be good if we were here. Did you send a Jessica? We sent Lord to Leslie and implied that if she can keep our confidences, we might be up to some things that Jessica would be interested in. I think if she realizes we're up to shenanigans and keeping the confidence will lead to us being up to more shenanigans, I think we will be able to trust her. Well, subtlety isn't Jessica's fort, but... No. <laughs> Beyond. The known world of this small kingdom lies a seemingly endless world of thorns, fairies, monstrous beasts, and the kingdom's lost secrets. Inside the little kingdom, the wheels of intrigue continue to turn, and those who straddle the two worlds remain torn between them, trapped in a cycle of deals and danger. In the dwindling light, a cloaked and hooded figure roams the streets of Fenrir, stalking its unsuspecting prey. Its arms shift into wooden spikes as its hollowed mouth opens to scream a stream of locusts. Across the kingdom, deep in the thorns, a call seems to answer it, deep and rumbling enough to shake the very trees apart. And that wraps our episode and our first story arc, book one, season one of Carrots and Suffering. Oh my god, woo! I jumped around a bit to end on a positive note, using the power of editing, and we will be starting off season two with some deep conversations, just a tad back in time. I hope you liked it, folks, and we'll see you again soon. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson at My Pet Machine for our music and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you catch your podcasts. So many loose ends and a whole world of thorns to explore. Find out what happens next on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. will uh, chime in out of the blue. You have no idea where Skrix was, but uh, basically from underneath Jalen's feet ah! <laughs> come the word like, I could do, I could be an alarm. How's this sound?
<laughs> it's very alarming. <laughs> Skrix, that sounds the same way that you sound when you're complaining about something. Well, but it would be complaining about an intruder, so that's great. Perfect. We have a plan. Okay, thank or you. Or complaining about an empty bowl, or mostly of the time, in Skrix's case, a half-empty bowl. <laughs> I feel like Julie is airing the dirty laundry of her own cats. <laughs> <laughs> Those dicks.